You're listening to The Political Scene. I'm Tyler Foggett, a senior editor at The New Yorker. U.S. lawmakers have said that they're moving forward with a plan to ban TikTok, one of the most popular apps in the world. When you hear people talk about the dangers of TikTok, a lot of things tend to come up. Its impact on attention spans, its addictive algorithms, and its memes, which incentivize kids to do ridiculous, sometimes dangerous things for internet popularity. But what sets TikTok apart from other platforms in the eyes of Congress is not only its content, but its ties to the Chinese government. As Speaker Kevin McCarthy recently wrote on Twitter, the House will be moving forward with legislation to protect Americans from the technological tentacles of the Chinese Communist Party. Kyle Cheka writes a column about technology and internet culture for The New Yorker. You'll hear from him today about the challenges of regulating social media and about how a distraction came to be seen as a national security threat. Kyle, you recently wrote about the TikTok hearings on Capitol Hill for NewYorker.com. And I'm wondering what your sort of like what your takeaway was from from that experience of following these congressional hearings. Yeah, the the hearing was much more dramatic than I thought it would be. Uh, It was kind of a confrontation between the representatives and the TikTok CEO, Sho Zichu. As I previously referenced, TikTok spied on American journalists. Can you say with 100% certainty that neither ByteDance nor TikTok employees can target other Americans with similar surveillance techniques? Chair Rogers, I first of all disagree with the characterization that is spying. Um, It was an internal investigation. Yes or no? Can you do surveillance? And it became kind of a conflict. Like it, It was a lot of dramatic language. It was very emotional. I think Chu stayed very cool and collected, uh, but the lawmakers were certainly trying to take a swing at him any way they could. Uh, and the whole the whole episode seemed like a kind of maneuvering between the two parties to get an edge on the other. Yeah, so what was like the main concern that sparked these hearings? Because obviously a number of things came up during the actual hearings about, you know, TikTok's algorithm and its addictiveness and whatnot. But um, there's also this question of it posing, you know, these big national security risks. So I'm wondering what was like actually the impetus, at least on paper, to have to have these hearings. I feel like after the hearings happened or after everyone asked their questions, three major concerns came out. Uh, The first of which was the most obvious, which is the Chinese Communist Party's influence on TikTok because TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, is a Chinese company. Uh, The second was kind of the addictiveness of social media overall and the stranglehold it has on a lot of our lives and our digital existences and our ways of consuming news and entertainment. Uh, And then the third was this running concern about American children and how they're being manipulated by TikTok and by proxy, the Chinese government, into doing meme stunts and stealing things from their teachers and all sorts of internet tomfoolery. So, you know, after watching the hearings, did you did you emerge feeling as though one of those three concerns was actually the primary concern? Um, like, does it seem like, you know, number three, just this idea that TikTok is destroying children and their attention spans and, you know, it's killing them and whatnot? Like, is that actually sort of the, the reason for all of this? Yeah, I really feel like all those three reasons were in conflict with each other a little bit because hmm. particularly numbers two and three kind of apply to social media in general. You can't say that only TikTok creates dangerous memes or that only TikTok is addictive. Um, So all of the concerns they brought up could 
be just as easily said of Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. They all have these same addictive and manipulative qualities. TikTok doesn't have a specially addictive algorithm. I feel like that's one of the the things that comes up with it a lot is that it's particularly good at giving young people content that they didn't even know they wanted, basically. I do think, yeah, it's, it is particularly addictive and particularly good, uh, though I think Instagram Reels is trying as hard as it possibly can to copy TikTok. Yeah, I mean, it's just a TikTok ripoff, right? Yeah. And I think when you use it, it, you get the same feeling of being dragged through the feed and kind of urged on to consume more and more and more. And TikTok totally does do that in the most successful way. But I think if you're really so concerned about the addictive qualities of social media, you'd also be just as concerned about the American companies. So in the end, I feel like the the concern that stood out the most was this fear of Chinese influence and was the kind of data surveillance and and privacy concerns. And so how exactly does that work? Like the people who are, you know, particularly concerned about TikTok, what are their fears in terms of, you know, data from American users being turned over by ByteDance to the the Chinese government? It seemed like there were there were various concerns and there's very little evidence that any of those are actually happening currently. Um So there's definitely a concern about the Chinese government spying on American citizens by absorbing their data that's being tracked by TikTok. And certainly ByteDance might have access to American users' data. And it's been reported that TikTok did track the locations of journalists and it's absorbed personal information from a few people. Uh, So on that level, that's happening. And there's also this concern that the Chinese government could manipulate American citizens or do something like interfere in an election by changing the TikTok for you algorithm. So influencing the audience of 150 million TikTok users by, say, promoting Chinese content more or promoting anti-democratic content more. Isn't there a law in China that basically says that um, companies have to turn over data to the Chinese government if if the government asks, isn't I thought that that was part of the concern. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can say that any Chinese company's data is separate from the Chinese government. I don't think there's any way we could ensure that. I don't think, as Americans, certainly we can't guarantee that or even keep watch over it in any way. Uh, and also, the Chinese government owns a stake in TikTok's parent company, ByteDance. And there are various board members and staff who are members of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, So I think there's a real concern there. And there's facts that can be very worrying. Uh, But it is this kind of hypothetical threat that we don't really know how much reality it has or not. Do you have a sense of um, how aware average users are of this threat? Like, I believe that the U.S. government, for example, doesn't let employees have TikTok on their their work phones, which probably shouldn't be on anyone's work phone. But (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is that law in the U.S. and a number of countries now, a growing number, that on government phones, you can't download TikTok. Um, I don't think privacy is a huge concern for many of TikTok's (laughs) users, in part because the, the TikTok promise is that it will deliver you exactly what you want at all times based on your constant engagement or lack of engagement with what's on the screen. No, I have a friend who said like, yeah, I love that it collects my data. I want it to know everything about me because it'll make the content better. <laughs> yeah, you want to optimize. But yeah, I think for the vast majority of the users, any trade-off for data security or this 
involvement with China is completely worth it for you know, social media's best algorithmic feed and the super addictive short form video content and the creator's ability to reach these huge audiences that are on the platform. Like that's what has made TikTok so successful is that you don't need tons of followers to go viral. You can actually have a totally random video reach millions of people more or less instantly. And that's something that no other social network is capable of. So it's, it's really an easy trade-off to make for a lot of people to just overlook the the security concerns. I also wonder if there's a generational difference there. Like, I feel like younger people in particular are kind of used to this idea, if not comfortable with the idea that everything they're doing is being tracked. I mean, the number of young people who have, um, like, Find My Friends turned on and just at any given moment they can tell you where every single person in their social circle is, um, I feel like it's kind of astounding, whereas, I don't know, like, my parents, my grandparents are still really worried about someone figuring out, you know, their social security number, whereas, like, I've been taught that, like, you should just operate as though everyone already has your social security number. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think I think younger generations have come to accept that plenty of technology companies know where we are, know what we're looking at, know what we're interested in, you know, can tell when someone's going to get married or get pregnant or, you know, have a job change. And there's the, the fear of Instagram listening to you and targeting you with advertising. If TikTok is such a concern with surveillance, why isn't that kind of uncanny targeted advertising a concern with American companies. I think that kind of hypocrisy was really on display at the TikTok hearing. Yeah, I mean, did they did they have a reason for why why TikTok? I mean, is it just because TikTok is the biggest, like in the sense that it was like the most downloaded app in 2022 and I think it's the most popular entertainment app just like in general in the US? Like is it just let's go after the the big one? Yeah, I think it's in part because TikTok has grown so quickly and become this insurgent force in social media. But that would be less of a threat, I think, if it was owned by an American company, because then it would be the symbol of success for Silicon Valley and American technology. Uh, It's bringing jobs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's American soft power, just like they're claiming that it's Chinese soft power. Um, So both because of its popularity and its like rising control of viewers and because of its its Chinese origins. I think that's really what made it a target because all the critiques that they make and the complaints that they make could easily be applied to all social media. And it's really kind of inseparable. So your piece that you wrote, um, I believe that in the headline, it was basically um, the TikTok hearings inspired little faith in social media or in Congress. And I'm wondering if you could explain that a bit, um, specifically the the Congress part, why you why you came <laughs> away feeling um, uninspired. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are two sides to that. I think the, the CEO shows that you did come off as very closed off and repetitive and kind of bland in his answers. And he repeated the same few solutions for why TikTok is not going to be a problem. But then on the representative side, there were a lot of very silly and inexplicable questions about technology, uh, such as one representative who asked if TikTok connected to the home Wi-Fi network and if that might cause a problem. And, you know, any app connects to Wi-Fi. All of our phones are on Wi-Fi all the time. This is just not a relevant uh, inquiry to make. And it just, the the questions didn't seem to display much of an understanding of what TikTok was uh, and how it works and who its audience is and why people are so compelled by it. But I think you, you do see some of that demonstrated by the response to the hearings, which 
TikTok users kind of cried out that the representatives were being irrelevant and illogical, and people like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez made TikToks about how she thinks TikTok should be preserved as a space of free speech. Do I believe TikTok should be banned? No. Why should TikTok not be banned? First of all, I think it's important to discuss how unprecedented of a move this would be. The United States has never before banned a social media company from existence, from operating in our borders. And this is an app that has over 150 million Americans on it. Yeah, so it made her get on the platform, actually. It's, uh, <laughs> the hearings, they're backfiring. <laughs> the, the, the reaction on TikTok itself to the hearings has been really fascinating to watch. And you could kind of see commentary videos popping up as the hearings were happening. And users kind of satirized the dumb questions that, that the representative asked. And lately, in the kind of the ensuing days, Shouzuchu has kind of become the, the TikTok daddy, like, sexy icon who's protecting all of the TikTok users. So there's all these fan montages of clips of him in the interview being very cool and professional. TikTok will remain a place for free expression and will not be manipulated by any government. So the hearing might have might have improved relations between TikTok and its users and kind of made people recognize that there was this guy, this businessman out there who is actually fighting for their rights in a way or fighting for yeah. their right to access TikTok. So I really am curious what the long term effect of that will be. I think they kind of gave TikTok some bonus points. I mean, at the risk of sounding like a member of Congress, why why is it so influential? How has it been able to garner so much power in such a short period of time? I think it's because of the structure of its algorithmic feed. I think what really set it apart was making the decision that users don't care who they follow. They don't want to make the decision of who to follow. Instead, the recommendation algorithm should figure out exactly what to show people all the time and show them any kind of content across the app that it thinks might be relevant to them. Um, so like, I'm going to show you this video from an absolute rando with two followers because I can tell that this is the sort of thing that you'll go for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like a random viral video of a stunt in a high school. Doesn't matter if that person has five followers, it's going to show it to millions of people if it's a really good video. Um, and that the promise of that reach and broadcast power is super, super compelling for creators because they they don't need to put in so much work up front to find an audience. They can kind of rely on the algorithmic promotion in TikTok to bring them to a wider audience. And on the consumer level, the feed is super addictive. I mean, anyone who, who knows it, who has used it, knows that it's quite addictive. It conforms to your desires and acts on this almost subconscious level to show you what you're thinking about. And I also think it broke down video content online into a much shorter, more digestible form. So earlier on, TikTok videos were a minute or shorter. It kind of forced everyone to condense their content into a, a more digestible form. And so the kinds of things that got popular on YouTube were also on TikTok, but more accessible and more quickly consumable than they were before. So you mentioned that um, it seemed like a lot of members of Congress just didn't really know what they were talking about when it came to TikTok. Like they they seem to have this kind of ambient awareness that TikTok is important, that it's influential, that it might even be determining, you know, 
who votes for them or not um, for for young users who are getting a lot of their information and news from the app. But at the same time, um, they don't really seem to get how it works. So I'm wondering um, if you can talk a little bit more about the like specific things they didn't really seem to understand about TikTok. And in general, I mean, do you think that they're like missing the actual risks of the app because they're focusing too much on like the NyQuil challenge or, or whatever it's called? <laughs> well, the uh, it, it seemed like the content was a lot of the misunderstanding or the thought that this content was unique to TikTok. Mm-hmm. So they cited something like the the quote unquote NyQuil challenge or possibly the NyQuil chicken challenge, which was... <laughs> A kind of viral, semi-fake meme stunt in which you cook chicken in NyQuil. And this was not meant to be taken seriously. It's a joke. It's a kind of vintage internet content where there's something that looks totally disgusting. And someone has made it or recorded themselves eating it. Uh, So I don't think the NyQuil chicken challenge is harming America's children, particularly. Are you willing to go on the record saying that? You think that... The NyQuil chicken challenge it. is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no one no one is dying from the NyQuil chicken challenge, I don't think. Um, but I think, I mean, the, the, the fact that they couldn't separate internet content overall from what's on mm-hmm. TikTok was kind of the most frustrating part. And I think that's what TikTok users who didn't like the hearing were also responding to. It just didn't display an understanding of the kind of online content ecosystem and the fact that misinformation and disinformation exist across the internet and aren't native to TikTok necessarily. Um, the the CEO did really emphasize that there are educational things on TikTok. You can learn stuff. You can connect with people who are like you. And I think the user loyalty does come from how it has generated a huge digital community. It's allowed a lot of like niche connections to form. It's built this like new area of internet culture and the fact that the politicians didn't really recognize those positive sides or were just relentlessly negative turned off a lot of viewers. You'll hear more from Kalchaka in just a moment. The way that you're describing these hearings and um, the reactions to them, it kind of reminds me of like the Facebook hearings way back when. I mean, it, it seems like um, every year or so um, there are these like big tech hearings that Congress gets involved in that are just kind of demoralizing because they reiterate what we all kind of already knew, which is that it seems like the people who are leading our country have no idea how um, some of the biggest tech platforms work and therefore probably don't really know how to regulate those platforms. Um, I mean, you've been covering technology for a really long time. Do you think that this is something that's um, that has gotten better as some of these apps and websites have become more ubiquitous or has it gotten worse as like the age gap <laughs> between the users and the politicians seems to, to widen? I think it's gotten worse, which is kind of shocking. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, we've had social media for quite a while now. It's been a solid 13, 14 years that mainstream social media has existed. And there's been so little reckoning with their the algorithmic feeds effect on people, with data regulation, with, like, user privacy. The problems are not new in any way. They're, like, a decade plus old And lawmakers have been through these cycles of proposing bills and considering 
new ways to protect people and nothing ever goes through. Uh, so <laughs> the ostentatious concern that they show feels kind of false when they continually refuse to do anything about it. So I think in this case, it was really the opportunity to do some like China hawk noisemaking and anti-China agitation. That that was what made the hearings so potent in this case. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have brought up the xenophobia and, and racism aspect of the story, which is definitely part of it. But one thing that I've also been curious about is just, I mean, in China, I'm pretty sure TikTok is banned, right? I mean, I think ByteDance, the company that owns TikTok, has a like Chinese version of the app that has been like whittled down to my understanding. I think that similar to, I think in the U.S., TikTok has like a, um, you can't use it for more than an hour or something if you're under a certain age. And I think that there's like an even more extreme version of that, that the Chinese version of TikTok has implemented. But in general, I mean, in China, like it seems as though TikTok is something that has been regulated in general, like screen time and video games. I mean, that's something that President Xi has really cracked down on. And so it's like on one hand, it could be xenophobia. On the other hand, it seems like we're doing something closer to what China itself has decided to do. Yeah, it kind of goes in opposite directions at the same time. Like there was the excuse for the hearing was this fear of China, fear of Chinese intrusion, fear of surveillance from China, And in some ways, the politicians seem to want both more free speech for TikTok or more freedom for its users and more censorship or suppression on the platform. So in China, TikTok's parallel app is called Douyin. And it works a lot like TikTok, but there's less content on it. It's more rigidly controlled. It's more censored. There are stricter limits on screen time and things like that. So in some ways, the American politicians seem to be moving toward a solution like that, where you only allow the perfect, right, correct, good information, positive social impact content on TikTok. And if TikTok was only great stuff like all Sesame Street, then no one would have a problem with it. But it's kind of not why people use it. And it's not it doesn't build to that sense of freedom and and community connection that TikTok thrives on. So I think they kind of want to neutralize it in some way. And I think that threat is is scaring users a little bit. So it seems like there are also people like outside of um, the U.S. government who actually kind of know a little bit about social media who um, are concerned about TikTok and its addictiveness. And it seems like there are a lot of people who are interested in either, you know, banning it or altering it or um, getting it into American hands. And I'm wondering... Um, what do people who actually like understand social media think that um you know we should do with with TikTok and are they just as concerned about the national security issues as um you know the politicians are it's a it's a great question that i think we're still figuring out but one of the weird parts of the hearing was that the politicians did not seem to have an idea of what they actually wanted to happen. Another side of the possible ban is that the Chinese government has actually said that it would block a a sale of TikTok. Hmm. So if the U.S. government tried to force a sale to an American company, then theoretically the Chinese government would step in and say, ByteDance can't sell TikTok to an American company. And so this is the looming ultimate conflict that would possibly lead to a ban because a sale wouldn't take place. 
And, you know, a sale just doesn't solve so many of the problems that they're bringing up with TikTok. It doesn't change the feed. It doesn't change targeted advertising. It doesn't change NyQuil chicken memes. It just wouldn't answer a lot of the things they brought up. And so it would seem to be somewhat unsatisfying as, a, as an answer to this. How do you think that um, a TikTok ban would affect domestic politics in the sense that so many young people, you know, use the app to get political information and to share thoughts and whatnot. I mean, do you, would it be like the equivalent of um, millennials losing Twitter? (laughs) (laughs) In in my mind just now, I was thinking it would be like Bill Clinton trying to ban MTV or something because (laughs) it was poisoning America's children. Like TikTok is how over a hundred million Americans, probably a lot of them millennial or Gen Z, entertain themselves. They spend 90 minutes a day on average, on it. So it's like a huge, huge part of their lives. So the government interfering so directly with something that you use day in, day out, and feels like a part of your brain almost, I feel like that's likely to alienate a lot of voters, a lot of young people. Yeah. I don't know that that is enough to swing an election or something, but it would be very easy to make a lot of young people extremely upset (laughs) if you were to suddenly take away their addictive digital toy. Especially if you have influencers coming out against certain candidates who are anti-TikTok. And I assume that those influencers will continue to have some kind of platform on Instagram or YouTube or, you know, they'll migrate somewhere. Yeah, I'm not worried about the influencers because they can always bring their audience (laughs) somewhere else. They can fend for themselves, yeah. Yeah, but the users will be alienated, I think, no matter what happens, if TikTok changes in any way. I think it could be a little bit politically toxic to do too much about it while not touching Facebook and Google and Twitter. I mean, it just, it seems illogical or something. I'm wondering how this issue falls along party lines. You you, know, you mentioned that AOC is is pro-TikTok, but who is anti? Would it be like, I guess I'm wondering, like, or is it the same sort of um, like conservative voices who are worried about, um, you know, like drag queen story hour who are also concerned about, <laughs> um, you know, like the sexualization of young girls on TikTok doing dances? Or like, is it kind of surprising where certain politicians have fallen on this? Through the hearing, you could see a division between Democrats and Republicans. I think the Democratic representatives leaned much more on the culture questions, actually, and the mental health questions. So it was more about the addictive nature of the feed, more about possible manipulation of people's beliefs or thoughts by the Chinese government. Um, So it's a a lot about user experience, a lot about how is this affecting people? How are they interacting with the technology? Which is, of course, true for other forms of social media as well. And then the Republicans seem to just be hyper, hyper focused on data surveillance from China and how the Chinese Communist Party could could be using this as a weapon against America on a kind of grand geopolitical scale, disrupting elections, using it as a kind of cyber warfare tool. Um, But, you know, the the concern over TikTok was really bipartisan and it united a lot of people to the point that many of the representatives made jokes about it, that this was like the only bipartisan hearing in in the government right now. 
it was an easy thing to dislike. It was an easy thing to make comments on and have a show of force on kind of against Shozuchu, the CEO who is standing in for the looming threat of China, the threat of digital surveillance, how social media is bad. Like that guy had a lot on his shoulders that day. <laughs> Did it seem like everyone was generally concerned about TikTok, but there were some people who were in favor of a ban or, you know, just like extremely like, you know, strictly regulating it um, and others who thought that probably wasn't the right way to go about it? Or were there people who were just sort of like, this whole thing is crazy, um, you know, China doesn't care about your location data? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... The people who were who remains pro TikTok, I think were more on this idea that all social media is equally bad. Like AOC and others were pushing more for data protection in all cases. Like let's let's also have rights in regards to American social media companies and American tech companies. Uh, so I think the the critique of the hearing was that it just didn't apply broadly. <laughs> to all forms of technology and a kind of unfairly targeted TikTok when actually these problems are across the board and we might as well be against Google and Meta as well. Yeah, I mean, it seems like in the past there have been pushes to pass data protection legislation that would ostensibly help in a situation like this. I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, but I mean, do you think that the specter of Chinese surveillance is going to be the thing that gets the United States to pass decent data protection laws? <laughs> it, it really could be. I think TikTok is this perfect storm of things that all politicians can be against in this moment. And I mean, maybe a, a forced sale or a ban would make all tech companies act a little differently just because they'd be more aware of the, the threat of the government against them. But I think, I mean, there have been several different bills over a decade plus introduced to give Americans better data protection rights, give us more insight into how algorithmic recommendations work, even just allow academics to study how recommendations work. And none of them have passed. They have not gone anywhere. And you know, that it, it's just very seems very ironic or paradoxical that they could be so concerned and yet not be bothered to pass any of the even incremental laws that would that would help people have more control over social media. It might just be that it's too early in the life cycle of social media and we're only just beginning to understand how much it influences us and manipulates us. Uh, but you'd think everyone would want some kind of progress on this topic. So maybe now is the time to actually pass something. If you had to choose an app for Congress to ban <laughs> or to like heavily regulate or to have hearings about just to like get everything out in the open, which one would it be? Like I, I'm thinking about like your piece about Discord, for example, mm. after the after the Buffalo shooting. Like it just seems to me like there are apps that, um you know, are oftentimes implicated in just like acts of violence or that are sort of known to be, you know, sort of breeding grounds for, you know, different types of um, dialogue that you would think that Congress would want to um, discourage. And it's curious to me that TikTok, I mean, it really does probably add to this idea that it's driven by xenophobia or racism because it's like, mm. why TikTok when you have discord right there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what another funny thing that came out of the hearings and something that you can tell when you use TikTok is TikTok actually is pretty heavily censored and you mm. are pretty well gated into areas that are 
nice and positive and good unless you do try to seek out, you know, more harmful content or you fall into some kind of rabbit hole. Um, I think, I mean, TikTok is a good actor in those areas in some ways where other platforms like a Discord or a Twitter under Elon Musk are really bad actors. Like Twitter got rid of its entire content moderation staff. Like, I mean, my theory with social platforms is like, the more of them we have, the more options we have, the better. So I would love to see Instagram split off from Facebook. I would love to see more different platforms competing against each other so that they had to offer a better experience and treat their users better. And I think you see a little bit of that with Twitter and Mastodon, for example. And I wish we saw more new platforms, more new ways of connecting with each other that weren't just these massive global corporations. Kyle Chayka is a contributing writer to The New Yorker. You can read his column, Infinite Scroll, on newyorker.com now. This has been The Political Scene. I'm Tyler Foggett. The show is produced by Michelle Moses with help from Sydney Cobb. Our executive producer is Stephen Valentino. Our theme music is by Allison Leighton Brown. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.